Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, Things Past. But before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I can't believe I said Twitter. It's X or whatever. Look, it's Twitter. Anyway, okay, we're of the generation yeah, that it will forever be it Twitter. It really is. There's just, that's it. It really Twitter. is. Sorry. It's it. <laughs> but that's okay. And as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome. And uh, I think that if you, if you enjoy Deep Space Nine, you should already be aware of our show because, heck, it's one of the few shows that actually talks about Deep Space Nine anymore and also talks about it in a, well, rather, rather positive context. <laughs> I will yeah. say that. Um but yeah, uh, again, find us, follow us anywhere you happen to do social medias, and of course, you can listen to us anywhere you happen to listen to podcasts. I do it on Spotify, so join us there. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, please feel free to leave them somewhere, you know, on our YouTube videos, Twitter, wherever, and we'll get to you as soon as we find out about it. But tonight, as David said, we are here to talk about things past. Um, I think I always say it's some kind of episode, a great episode, interesting episode, you know, <laughs> pivotal episode, something along those lines. This one, I, I feel like the word I'm going to use for this one is, uh, well, deep, uh, complex, mm. very nice. Like, it's a different way to do world building, and I find it really interesting, while it also gives us a lot about one of our main characters. Um, right. So, yeah, just a lot that goes on in this one, um, and hopefully you... You know, if you've watched it multiple times, you have found new things to enjoy about it. And if you watched it for the first time, there hopefully right. there are a lot of things you can appreciate about it. And since David is the uh, resident between us who has never seen this, I'm hoping he falls into that category, of course. <laughs> um, right. But before we get to all that, as always, I'd like to check in. So, David, how has your week been? Week's been good. Work's been better than it has been in the past weeks, which is nice. Um but, uh, of course, the big thing is to keep you guys updated. So, War and Peace, I'm about halfway through, a little more than halfway. And at this point, it's getting really enjoyable because, like, it basically the book feels like it's in two halves. The first half feels like prologue, or to put it more, to make it make a little more sense, all of the stuff that happens in the first half of the book is set up for the, the second half because the second half is Napoleon's invasion of Russia in 1812 i'm sorry yeah 1812 um and it's just interesting because the book went from being a straight like novel like straight up just fiction you know it's historical fiction but now in the second half of the book you'll get chapters where leo tolstoy the author is like inputting his own thoughts into the story like he's commenting on history like he takes a it takes a break from like the fiction to like here's the historical context of what's happening but like with my own commentary uh which is actually really fascinating he basically is very uh, he thinks historians basically are a bunch of 
liars. <laughs> Historians, like, they, they, they try and spin things in favor of the side of the, uh, the, the historical argument that they like. You know, so the Russian historians paint the Russians in a certain light, and the French historians paint Napoleon a certain way. But uh, he's, he's basically acting like he's giving you the true, realistic, authentic version of what's happening. Meanwhile, you have all these characters that he's uh, put in historical situations uh, and, they're, and they're what they're doing, um, which is just fun because I just read – I just literally read a biography of Napoleon. So I'm literally able to follow along with all of the historical context, uh, re-watching some videos I watched that I kept up with like about the battles mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, pull the biography out, like read what the biography had to say about certain things. And it's it's just really fun. I feel I feel like I actually have the knowledge and background to understand what's being talked about, which just makes my enjoyment of this this really thick tome all that better. Uh, it feels like you need to have understood the history before you we get into the book, uh, because he was writing to an audience that was about fifty years removed from the original storyline. He wrote it in the eighteen sixties, and this was about again the eighteen tens. It's about 50 years after the fact, which would make sense that people would have understood some of the historical context when he was writing the book. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun reading that. I still have – again, I'm only a little over halfway, so I still have another good week and a half of reading to do before I get onto anything else. Okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's been fun. How about you? I, you're in a new location for those who are watching. Yeah, you know, things, are, things have been coming along on that front. I have been slowly but surely moving my myself, my family, um, to a larger space. And um, it's been a bit of a exhaustive process because I can really only do the move stuff on the weekends, of course, because I work. And it really doesn't leave me with a whole lot of time throughout the week um, right. between having to work and my kid has school and everything else we've got to do throughout the week. So, yeah, the weekends really become – and then really it's Saturday is the day that the majority of this gets done because I'm just so not wanting to, you know – use both days of the weekend to do it. Right. I would like a day for my, especially my, you know, my daughter, you know, having a day to just relax and just be, right. you know, uh, go to school all week. And then you spend your whole weekend working and moving and boxing stuff and putting away other things and clearing stuff out and cleaning. That's, that's terrible. No kid wants right. to do that. So I'm like, yeah, just, just give me one day and then we'll have another day where we just relax. We just, we don't do anything. So, right. So today, in addition to moving and cleaning and everything else, we just kind of ran around um, uh, the new town, and we were looking for things like, you know, where's the uh, local pharmacy? Where's our nearest grocery store? Where's our nearest um, gym for me? In which I now found out there's not a gym near me that does what I'm working on when I've been training for. So uh -huh. we're going to have to travel a bit into uh, Pflugerville in order to sign up to a gym to go there to be able to continue the workouts that I've been doing, which, you know, hey, it, it's fine. I don't mind. It's not that far away. Um, right. I, I guess I just got a little spoiled because the gym I was going to was, like, right around the corner from me. So it's just like, get up and kind of, you know, just, you know, do your cardio and jog there and go to right. the gym. Versus <laughs> now it's like, now you're definitely going to have to, you know. But that's fine. It's fine. So, um, gotcha. 
other than that, um, things are going pretty well. I, um, like I said, work has been pretty, pretty consistent. So I'm not really worried about that. Um, I am officially at the halfway point of the expanse. So nice. we will be able to work on when we're going to schedule, uh, you know, whatever coming up. I know that obviously you're still reading a lot of different things. So right. whenever you have time to, you know, work through and get there, we can do that. Um, right. Also, on your point about the the history of you know the various war battles and things like that that you were looking at, I did also find several on um, uh, on YouTube. I had started looking for the ones that you were talking about, but then I found a bunch that break down World War Two. Oh yeah, and for if you've never done it before, if you just have any even just a tinge of curiosity, you should definitely go and watch some of the WW two breakdown videos that they do Mm -hmm. there is so much information we have about world war ii that all of these things are incredibly detailed they're done very well it's almost like it blurs the line between documentary and movie so well like i like some of them were just great and then that got me into i i ended up going and watching band of brothers which is a fantastic fantastic series oh, yeah so like I, now i had seen it um mm-hmm. before in college mm-hmm. and uh this is the first time that i'd watched it again since college mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I started watching some videos on youtube i was really into it they started making references to the 101st and everything else and i was like yeah you know and then yeah. you know um uh, is, is it general winners uh captain winners captain, captain winners. winners yes yeah. Uh, they do. There's a lot on him on YouTube, right. and I mean, if you again, if you want a character who fits that kind of bill of Hollywood hero, I can't yeah. think of a better a better person. Like he, yeah. the stuff that he does, it it's just shy of legendary. Like seriously, yeah. and the fact that it's all like true, and we've yes. got accurate documentation of it, and also yeah. that the man himself, like, because there's so many interviews of him and everything else. He is just so freaking like down to earth and humble, yes. and he's yes. just so earnest. There's right. something about that whole combination that just makes him such a great, like not just character, even though, but person to to yeah. watch and experience. And then go watch Band of Brothers because you're like, they take his story and add that kind of again that Hollywood quality to it because it's yeah. Steven Spielberg and yeah. Tom Hanks and all the rest of them. Yeah. And it's it's great casting, and they they right. such a great thing so yeah, yeah i got i got lost in world war ii and band of brothers these, yeah. like, the last like oh last i week, love really. band of brothers when, yeah. when i was a kid you know I'm, I'm you know a teenager you know me and my brother my younger brother uh and my dad like watching band of brothers was like growing up um classic stuff and it's fun too because when band of brothers came out, it was such a hit that it inspired a lot of like, like call of duty that some of the original call of duty games based their multiplayer maps on Carentan, for example, like the battle of Carentan, there's a map in, in the game call of duty that is based on the band of brothers version of that, of that town. Um, so it was, it was fun to like live it when you would play the game. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I actually have the Band of Brothers book. I bought it recently because I want to read it. I think I might have mentioned this uh, recently to you. Uh, maybe I haven't, but they're coming out with a new show. It'll be on Apple TV. It's going to be called uh, Masters of the Air, and it's Steven Spielberg and, and Tom Hanks again. Um, so it's going to be about the, the guys in the planes. 
but it's going to have okay. like an episode on, on the Tuskegee Airmen. So it's not just like the the Band of Brothers show focuses on the 101st as, yes. as they go through it. But this show seems like it's going to focus like a couple episodes Historically here, on couple aviation. Episodes here. Exactly. Okay. So Historically on military aviation. Yeah, so okay. I'm hoping that it's just as good uh, World War II uh, style. Um, they had the guy who just played Elvis. It last it was last year. The guy who just played the, it was in the Elvis movie. I don't know the guy's name, uh, but he's in it. And uh, I'm hoping it's as good because well, Band of Brothers is so high quality. Yeah, like, it's I hard mean, to get back up there again. <laughs> but at the same time, with those two doing it, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, I wouldn't be surprised at all yeah. if it's another just. I mean. Just straight hits, like seriously. Yeah. Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks rarely miss. So, have I'm just... you seen the movie Greyhound? It was made by Tom Hanks, and he plays the captain in the in the movie. But it came out during the pandemic, so it went straight to. Is the this streaming. the movie where he's like? Cap- um, he's in a like... captain on a destroyer in the in the. No, Atlantic. I didn't see that. Then no. Yeah, and he um he's the captain of a of a of a. Well, there's a convoy of ships going from America to Europe. That's the setting, and they have to, um, you know, give the guys, uh, give the ships, you know, um, they're they're escorting them, and so there are German U-boats that are attacking, and so it's instead of it being like there are a bajillion submarine movies, which are great, but never one like this where you're actually in a destroyer, and it's it's almost pure action. Uh, It's not just pure action, but um, you could go on YouTube and just watch the action scenes because, of course, people have just clipped out the action scenes, and they're fantastic. Um, Okay. Makes you really feel like you're there. But, like, Tom Hanks is killing it because he's the captain, so he's, like, telling this guy, do this, do that, do this, do that. And you're like, yeah, go, guys, you got it. It's it's, it's a great little movie. Um, Again, it came out during the pandemic, so it uh, it kind of got lost amongst everything that happened uh, during that time period. I'll have to to look it up because I have not seen it, but I love – uh, Tom Hanks. I have I've yet to see a movie of his that I haven't really enjoyed. Uh, so yeah, yeah uh, I'll have to check that out. He's a classic. Um, He's an yeah, American uh, treasure right there. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Tom Hanks and his stellar movie career. No we are here to talk about Star Trek: <laughs> Deep Space Nine and things past. So, uh, to that end, would you like to give the recap of this episode, or do you want me to do it? I can do it. It's been a while since I've done one. So I was going to say, yeah, you should show. do it. I think I've done the last, like, three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they were all important episodes. Yeah, so yeah. I was really so. amped up there. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And not that, this is, not that this one isn't important, but it doesn't require quite as much detail. Mm-hmm. All right. So, guys, uh, Things Pass starts on a runabout. Uh, we have four characters. We have uh, Cisco, Dax, Odo, and uh, Garrick coming back from Bajor. Uh, they were there to participate in a conference where Odo got recognized for his um, history with the Bajorans. You know, when the Cardassians were occupying the, the country, I'm sorry, the planet, they uh, say he was someone who was serving the Cardassians, but his master was justice, as Cisco quotes someone having said. Um, and Garrick had come along to give a Cardassian version of and and, and uh, um, support for the occupation you know it's, it's a conference to talk about the occupation he's there to defend the Cardassian and what they thought they were doing was right um, of course he was very his, his presence was very uh, a lot of conflict apparently surrounded him being there because he was very in favor of the occupation and obviously didn't go down very well but anyway um, however, before the runabout gets to the station, 
uh, it turns out they hit some sort of spatial anomaly and they all go unconscious. And so when they get back to the station, uh, Bashir puts them into the infirmary and they are all unconscious. And uh, while they're unconscious at one point, uh, while, while things that are going to happen to our other characters, they are basically experiencing um, some uh, a they're experiencing a group uh, experiencing some events together as they're unconscious, and that'll affect things like Garrick will bleed from his nose when he bleeds while he's unconscious in this dream state. He bleeds from real life, and so uh, him and Worf, you know, are like concerned. You know, will that mean that uh, he'll like you know have a some sort of brain aneurysm, for example, because his body will be responding to what he's kind of dreaming. But what's really happening, uh, it turns out that the four of them, uh, again, it's uh, Cisco, Odo, Dax, and Garrick, they have been somehow uh, sent back to the past when Deep Space Nine, the station, was actually Terok Nor during the Cardassian occupation. So they are back about seven years into the past, um, and they seem to be all embodying uh, some Bajorans. They are all... Bajorans. Now, the, to us, they still look like themselves. Garrick still looks like uh, Cardassian, and Odo still looks like Odo. Uh, but as far as all the other people around them, they all seem to be acting as if they are all Bajorans. Uh, and so as they try and figure out what's going on, uh, Garrick thinks that, well, maybe I can uh, prove with my knowledge of the, of the station that I'm actually a Cardassian. But when he tries to stand up to a Cardassian, he gets beaten up. Um, and Dax gets uh, taken away to go be Gold Ducat's uh, friend. Uh, you know, hey, I I'm lonely in my role as Gold of the of Terok Nor, and I need someone I can talk to. I and really so Dax... can't wait till we get to talking about Ducat <laughs> this episode. This yeah. man, yeah, boy. But yeah. continue, continue. <laughs> and so while Dax is off being Gold Ducat's um, friend, uh. They get a hold of a device that allows them to figure out who they actually are. And in revealing their identities to each other, uh, Odo knows who he is before his name is read out. You know, Garrick and um, Cisco learn their names, and then Odo knows who he is based on who the other two are. And then it becomes clear throughout the episode that. Uh, he knows where they are in time. They, again, they're seven years in the past, but what's strange is that at this time in history, uh, Odo was supposed to have been the uh, one in charge of um, uh, the like policing actions of the station. You know, He's always called the constable. So he was in charge of security on the station by this point, but when they actually are uh, seeing who's on the station – the previous head of security, Thrax, is actually still on the station, and he's still in charge. Uh, at one point, all three of these characters—you know, Odo, Cisco, and Garrick—they get sent over to work for um, for Quark. And Thrax, the previous head of security, interrogates Quark. You know, Odo, you, your your predecessor gave you know Quark just as much uh, trouble as you do. Um, but this reveals a strange truth. Why are they in the past, but in a timeline, or, 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 or why, why is the, the history of these events actually changed from what really happened? Uh, it turns out that the three people that our characters are embodying were executed uh, falsely for an attempt on Gold Ducat's life. There was an attempt on Gold Ducat's life, but in order to make an example, 
Uh, they just killed these three random people, even though they weren't the actual ones responsible. And it turns out uh, that Odo knows this because he was the one who actually brought these three men up to Golducott for punishment. Even though he had just become head of security on the station, at that point, he was still more willing to just find someone to uh, blame than he was in actually finding justice. And it turns out that this whole dreamscape we're in is actually happening in Odo's mind. Turns out that Thrax, we think briefly that he's a changeling. It's not that Thrax is a changeling. It's that Thrax is his conscience telling him uh, that what you did when you were head of security on uh, Terok Nor was not always as wonderful as he was praised at that Bajoran conference. So he might have been praised, but it turns out his history as head of security is more checkered than we had previously realized. He had allowed three men to be executed, even though they were innocent. Uh, and that has been kind of torturing his conscience all this time. And when they hit that spatial anomaly in the runabout, that caused his brain to produce enzymes that uh, allow the changelings to, to have, go into the Great Link. The Great Link, of course, being what the uh, changelings do with each other. There were no other changelings around. So what happened is that basically Odo has initiated in a unconsciously initiated a great link with the other three uh, men and they are all experiencing kind of like a fever dream as he his conscience uh, helps him work out his guilt and um, regret over that event so they are all able to wake up after Odo realizes what's going on um, they're all okay uh, and Kira, at the very end of the episode, who's, she's still pregnant, she comes to Odo and says, was there anyone else that was um, executed, anyone who was innocent, that you allowed to die on your watch? I, you know, I need to know uh, if you ever let anyone else die that shouldn't have. And Odo can, can only say that he's not entirely sure, but that he hopes not. And so we end the episode with Odo, um, you know, again, we're a little bit remorseful for what happened during his time as chief of security. But um, otherwise, everything goes back to normal. So, whew, that's a lot. It is a lot. That was a good... um, and we're going to, you know, when you hit the, the finer points there, of course, we are going to dive into a couple of things. But first, I do want to give uh, two quick shout outs. One, um, since he is he is in the episode, obviously, um, today is Michael Dorn's birthday. So Commander Worf himself Ooh. is now officially 72 years old. So, and still doing the thing. So if you have not seen Star Trek Picard and you want to see our favorite Klingon all aged up, but still swinging <laughs> his massive Klingon swords around or whatever else, please go watch Star Trek <laughs> Picard and you'll get to see all that. Also, this episode was directed by none other than Jordy LaForge himself, LeVar Burton. So Ooh. he is once again returned to the director's chair to give us uh, a really great um, episode. Now, um, the first thing that I want to talk about, which is a little bit of, you know, trivia here, is the the, sh the runabouts compliment. And this is the first time that we've seen Garrick uh, in a while. In yeah. fact, the last time that we saw Garrick was in the fourth season episode, Broken Link, which, as you remember, is the episode where he tried to... Um, assassinate the founders while they were trying to decide what to do with Worf or not with Worf, but with Odo. That's the right. episode where they turned Odo into a solid. 
and he was trying to assassinate them, and that's where he attacked Worf and was sentenced to uh, six months in prison for trying to sabotage the Defiant and for assaulting Worf. So wait a minute, for almost committing genocide and for assaulting a Starfleet officer, he got six months. Yeah. Okay. And is allowed on a runabout without escort yeah. on a trip to Bajor. <laughs> So, I only bring it up because this episode, if you follow the timeline, this episode falls just about six months after Broken Link. So, now this is why Garrick is back. And everybody's just like, oh, he's back. He served his time. Come with us to a conference. It's just, you know, the the quirkiness of Star Trek, it's, it's really is a, you know, it's like you, you, you can... They have jails, they have prisons, whatever. But truly, once you served your time and you're out, they're playing like, okay... No problems. Yeah. There's no, no ex-con, <laughs> right? And there's no there's no ex-con connotation to anyone's name or anything like that. You're just you're citizen now, and you're go do things. So, so yeah. and so we see That's in this right, shuttle pod or this runabout, they're all sitting there, and Garrick is talking about how they labeled him Elam Garrick, former Cardassian oppressor. Fantastic! I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I was like, yes, that you should get that get that title, yeah. you right. know. And Dax is outraged. Like you were trying to convince them of the merits of your uh, occupation of the world. Like what's wrong right. with you? <laughs> and he's it's great because he he is so racist in this episode. He is all like he really is. That's that's their type. That's who they are. At their place. And it's so funny because even when they go back in in uh, in time, um, they don't actually go back in time, obviously. But when they go back in time. Um, Thrax makes similar arguments. Um, he he says that you know if he, if the Bajorans would just accept their place in history, we wouldn't have to oppress them. Right. <laughs> like, if you could just just accept the fact that you're you know slaves and cannon fodder, we right. could all get along. You know, no no problems, exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, this episode again, it's little things like that. It's like. It, they're little drops in the overall dialogue of the episode that if you don't, if you're not looking for them, not paying attention, you do miss them. But it does really show you how these kinds of mindsets really just affect so many things. Like the the Cardassians didn't see themselves necessarily as villainous. They thought that it was just right of them. They had they had the superior military, the superior technology, they had the superior strength, both, again, with military technology, but also physically than the Bajorans. They saw no problem with their occupation and subjugation of these people whatsoever. Right. And so, yeah, it's just like when they say these things, it's so casual and it's so... But I mean, like, that's that's also our our shared history, you know, like we, we dress it up and we put the people in alien, you know, makeup and whatever else, but humans have done the same thing countless times. And that's why I love shows like Star Trek, because it's just like, yeah, take out, you know, Cardassian and put almost any other race in there and you will find history, a pattern of, of this kind of thing happening. So, um, but yeah, um, Thrax is, is awful. Uh, Garrick is awful. Um, pretty much all the Cardassians in this episode, no matter where we see them, come off yeah. as pretty awful. Pretty. Well, sleazy. we can we can move on to Gold Ducat real easily here. That yeah. man gets a gold star for his just. <laughs> he's such a pompous, ah, oh, egomaniacal. Oh. Everything about him 
in yeah. this episode. You just, I was so glad when Dax beats him up and yeah. knocks him out. I was like, Jesus, could you, couldn't you have done that 20 minutes ago? Yeah. yeah listen to this man. The Bajorans <laughs> are like my children. And yeah. bad manners are the problem of the parents, not the yeah. children. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's so condescending. And it's, it's, I mean, it's fun to watch that because it's all fictional. But, you know, you have to remember, you know, it's like, wow, there are actually people in history who thought and talked like this for real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, there are. Wow. There are people who thought that, yeah, who, who, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there are still people who think this way about various other races and cultures and so forth. But yeah, absolutely. That whole thought of you all are like children and you're playing these games and you don't understand what you're doing, but I do as the superior, as the adult, and I'm going to show you the real consequences to your actions and things like that, you know, and I'm going to raise you. I, that's what, that's what this is, you know? And, right. um, yeah, but also like, well, in the same breath that Descartes is talking about these things, he's also talking about how, He's lonely. He needs a friend. He just wants a friend. That's all. Why doesn't anybody understand that all he needs is a friend? It was gross. It was oh, so, so gross. gross. I know. Especially because we know his history. We know that he fathered a, uh, a child with a German woman. And he might call that woman his mistress. But, yeah, come on. There's no way and that we was know anyway she, consensual. And there's no way that she was the first or only. He yes. must have done this multiple times. Right. I'm convinced that this was not, that that woman and, and Zial were not the first. Exactly. Um, she was well, just, the, and, you know. Well, the way yeah. she gets picked out, I forget the exact terminology that was used. You might remember better, but like, what what, what does the guy say when he picks Dax out? He says, uh, that one can She's go. She's been selected. Something. Yeah, That's there you says. go. Yeah. She's been selected. And we Descartes know that they move people her. around. You know, they keep people moving around so that they can't ever organize and they're never in the same location. So, yeah, it'd be very easy for them to say, yeah, the last girl didn't last long and now we have a new one in, in town and Gold Ducat's got his eye on her because we see Gold Ducat, you know, walking around, observing everything. And I mean, um, if you, and if you follow the timeline, this was supposed to be seven years ago in the past. And we know how old Zial is when we find her in season four or whatever. So yeah, she would have been at least the second woman, right? That he would have right. selected because Zial would have been already born by this point. Yeah, his daughter Zial is the daughter that's on the station now, right? That's right. Her, that's her name. Right. And she's already like sixteen, so like yeah, she was already. So the mother would have already been sent off. The kid would have already been born. All yes. that stuff would have already happened, and here he is trying to pick yet another woman right. to, you know, take up with. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Gold Ducat is – it's just really interesting because when we see him now with Kira, and he has that same – like, he just treats Bajorans and Kira specifically as if he's kind of owed. Yes. <laughs> he's owed. He does. He wants yeah. them – he wants them to not just – understand why he does what he does, but he wants them to appreciate and even love him. He for wants it, yeah. them to love him for what he does. And that's how he speaks. I've wanted so long to to increase the food rations, but Ugh. the Bajorans just keep fighting us all the time, and I just can't yeah. do it. And I want to help your people so much. My heart is so big. I'm so. That's what he says. Right. 
my problem is yeah. I love too much. I'm so generous. Yes. I'm so this. I'm too just like, generous. Oh my yeah. god! Just so. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're working them to death. You're keeping them in separated camps on the promenade. They can barely eat. They can't earn any money. They can barely clothe themselves. They can't keep warm. They're huddled around barrels of burning whatever. And he's all. My problem is I'm too generous. I love yeah. too much. Oh God. Yeah, I have to kill innocent people every now and then because I need to make examples of them. Yeah. This is, a, this yeah. is definitely a guy who is <laughs> the hero of his own story. I'm yeah. pretty sure Ducat writes fan fiction about himself. Like, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. He's a guy who writes fan fiction about himself. He is and the star. We did see him at the opening of this season, though, right? Because he was the one who got our team to um, to the uh, Klingon... To Tiger Corps uh, when they went for yeah, the Order of the Batlift. Yes, we do see right him there. right now, he is in charge of a... Uh, a Klingon, Klingon vessel. Yes, they have hijacked yeah. the Klingon be- vessel, and they're just patrolling around, blowing up Klingons and anybody else that they choose to attack. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny to see how far he's fallen, and like now he's this re- he's the rebel now. It's <laughs> oh, times have changed for Golden Cot. <laughs> but also, I mean, it's also to see like as as much as times have changed, his attitude has not. He is still very prideful. He is still very much a believer in his own power and his station and where he should be and what he should have. None of that has changed at all. Um, If anything, it's made him more dangerous because he's fallen far from that, but he still wants to be that. He's still working hard to attain that again. So a person like that doesn't learn from his mistakes. A person like that schemes and figures out ways to undercut and be ruthless to get it back again. And that's kind of the trajectory that we're seeing of Gold Mm -hmm. here in uh, this episode. Right. It's also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, it's funny to see Garrick respond to Gold in the in the past... When he shows up in the past and he sees Gold Ducat, he's just he just hates him. You know, these gulls who are so incompetent and and, and ruin everything and they're the ones that cause us to like you know, have to leave. He hates Gold Ducat with a passion. There's there's no love lost between these two and it's so it at this so, point, you know, we, we don't know why exactly what the exact history between them is, and it's it's just fun to like never know. You know, we're not gonna find out right. why they hate each other. It's just and, part of the mystery. And their differences really seem to be that Garrick where Garrick stayed kind of in the trenches and doing things and being very hands on as this the spy slash spy master whatever Ducat seems to have gone the way of the politician, and he's used his tools and techniques when he was working as a spy to work his way into positions of power. And this seems to be where he and Garrick differ, and why they don't like each other. Because they both recognize each other as threats, but they're threats that neither one can really eliminate. As much as they may try, they cannot eliminate each other. And we've right. seen them try multiple times. And when they end up having to work together, it's so, you know, just begrudgingly. And when they find little things out about each other they can use to kind of one-up one another with the other one or even just tease or goad or whatever it is, they, they enjoy it to no end. And I feel like right. that's what we're seeing here in this episode. You know, he's talking about, you know, he's such an ineffective goal and, and he the way that he leads and makes people like him, it's disgusting to Garrick, who's used to being this, again, he's very hands-on, 
the, the behind the scenes, you know, working power in a very ruthless, efficient manner. And I think he just feels insulted by the fact that he and Ducat have up to a certain point, the same background and how they right. diverge. Now you're right. It's never really discussed. We do kind of get little bits here and there inferences and whatever else, but it's never flat out said what happened between the two of them that caused this falling out or, or, or whatever, but yeah, they they hate each other and they continue to hate each other, and it is a lot of fun to watch. Right. But mainly because Mark Alimo and Andrew Robinson they do such a great job as Ducat and Garrick respectively, and yeah. so when you get these great performances from these two individuals, even though right. they're hardly ever in scenes together, right? When it happens, just like man, they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen the two of them actually uh, share a scene together. We have seen it before, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, this one, they're only ever, you know, at a distance. Um, but, yeah, this, uh, the I guess I'll just move on to my critique of this episode. The only real problem I have with this episode is I feel like it's, like, we're in season five now, and it feels like this is an episode that we would have actually seen in an earlier season, like, say, season two uh-huh. or three. So, you know, and there's actually a good reason for that, because this episode was kind of filmed in that same kind of noir-esque mode, like um, um, Necessary Evil, which was one of the episodes that we saw in season two, you know, kind of giving us this backstory. And again, that one was, um, that one was done for Kira. Remember when Kira was suspected of being, you know, uh, an assassin and Odin right. was investigating her on Tarek Nor then, yeah. you know, right. um, it was yeah pretty interesting to watch. Uh, but now we're kind of back to that. In fact, this episode does parallel that a lot, even with the ending. If you remember at the ending of Necessary Evil, we saw Kira and Odo in Odo's office and mm-hmm. having this realization that Kira had been responsible and that she had right. hit this from Odo the whole time. And now right. here we are seeing it again, only this time right. it's Odo who is responsible right. and they're having yes. to deal with um, the repercussions. I, I love the way that they kind of bookended that with showing right. both of them being, you know, these people who were not infallible. Everything we thought they were. Right. Well, infallible, right. Yeah. You know, I, I will say that now that you bring it up, I was a little frustrated with Kira when she showed up again in this episode, and she's like, it's been three days, and I need to know if there were any other innocent people. And I'm like, Did, I, to be fair to her, this is Odo revealing that he hasn't always been honest and upfront about his relationship with the people that he... or He has allowed innocent people to die. But I, I feel like she should know him well enough that this revelation, while damaging to his reputation, is still something that can survive. Now, not to say that it doesn't survive this conversation. It does. It's an important conversation. Um, but I feel like the way she walked in and she was like, I need to know. It just it just felt a little too sharp. Like, I feel like if someone – if I was – if I had a friendship with someone and they – and something about them was revealed – I would hope that my reaction would be more of a, a sadness in the sense mm-hmm. of like, I'm sad to hear that this happened, that, that your reputation isn't what I thought it was. But like my approach is more to help like come to understand and rehabilitate my understanding of who you are as opposed to accuse. It just, it just felt a little bit too 
like she was she was jumping on him a bit more than I wanted. And I don't, does that make sense? Am I am I yeah thinking about too I much? can see I, yeah I can no I can see what you're saying there because of the fact that you know she is coming to him and it does almost seem like she's accusatory. Like did anyone else die? Any innocent people? Other innocent people die on your watch. You know it does sound kind of accusatory, but um, I think the part that because I, I thought that as well initially, but what you have to remember is let's go back to again that necessary evil episode and him Odo being that person who was just recently put in charge of of keeping the peace right and everybody has identified him as this outsider who you know can get things done and can get answers and he just kind of seems to be very separate from both the Bajorans and the Cardassians that's why everybody seems to kind of trust him and and um and wants to uh, work with him. Right. And so he builds this reputation on being this person who just only pursues justice. He doesn't care who's doing what. He even tells Kira in an episode, that's how this works. You tell me, I see if you're lying. If you're lying, I turn you in. If you're not, you go free. It's justice. I'm not dealing with any of the rest of it. It's just justice. That's it. And right. then to find out that in this particular instant here, because we don't know exactly how many years it was that went between the events of Necessary Evil to the events of Things Past. We don't know how many years that was, but it seems like a long time of Odo serving in this capacity under the Cardassians. Right. Uh, and, and only so, two years before the Federation shows up, because right. it's only seven years from now. So yeah, right. it was actually much more recent than we might even initially think. But sorry, keep going. Yeah. So, so I feel like here's this person who, while everybody else is getting is getting dirty and getting roughed up and dying and everything else, here's this one person who seems to have held, held it together, has held right. on to principle, and has worked through all of this stuff to be this pillar of justice in in two communities, right. in two communities, right? Right. Only to find out in the end that, as far as we can tell, he failed, right. and. I do feel like she's a little bit harsh because it does seem like the issue here was less about evidence and more about time. Because Odo even points out later on, he says that, you know, the evidence that we had, it didn't come to light until after these individuals were already assassinated and made an example of that they were innocent because another bombing happened a couple of weeks later. So it was like, we had, we had some stuff. We just didn't have the ability to do everything that we needed to do for this. I was being rushed. I was being pressured. We needed to make an example. All of these things were, you know, compounding the situation. And so ultimately, since we had no one else and the guys did have enough things to appear guilty, that this is what happened, and because of who Odo is and continuing to chase the the justice angle, that's when they found out about the other bombing. That's when they found out that those guys are innocent, and he's carried that guilt with him ever since. So, on the one hand, I get it for her, because he was that guy who was just, again, that pillar. But on the other hand, it's just like, she acknowledges, hey, no one came through the occupation clean, but it right. does feel like at a certain level she is blaming him a bit more than she should. Hitting right. him with some harsher criticism than she should. Yeah. It 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 feels 
it just felt a little bit too aggressive, as I just want to put it that way. When she first walks in at the end of the episode, it feels a little aggressive. I understand why she's upset and what she's really asking. Do I, you know, do I know you, basically? Because, um, um, yeah, if, if he allowed innocent people to die and then allowed his reputation to build up in defiance of his actual character, um, then that's a problem. So I, I get it, um, but I was just a little surprised that, I mean, I, again, in, in moments like this, I'm like, well, I'm trying to think, you know, if you're, if you're making a show, you only have so much time to tell a story, and so maybe they had to kind of, it's the end scene, so they only had so much time to, to wrap it up, and this is kind of the bow on top, it's the cherry on top to finish the, the story, and this is what's important. Odo doesn't 100% know how many people he actually allowed maybe to die without a true fair appeal to justice and that, what a great his reputation is a bit of a false uh is false in some level. sorry go ahead well and i was just gonna say what a great kind of parallel for our own justice system I and mean, we like to think of our own justice system as blind and truly fair but how many people have been sitting on death row only to find out their convictions are overturned because new evidence through yeah. time and the advancement of technology and so forth has yeah. now proven them innocent. You know, we hear those cases a lot of people who, I mean, unfortunately already served 10, 15, 20, 40 years of a right. sentence only to now be released and evidence is saying they didn't do it after all. Right. Um, you know, that, that unfortunately does happen a lot, even in our own country. And as much as we would like to think that we are getting better and that we have this kind of perfect, you know, justice system or whatever you know we have to recognize that there are flaws and those flaws come in when you have kind of the same issues that odo had here when you have people who are pressing more for deadlines and making examples and kind of skirting evidence and not actually investigating everything um that's when those mis those kind of mistakes um happen so right we would like to think that, yes, we get it right, but we know that we don't always. So yeah. um, I think it's a perfect way that he ended it when he said, you know, I would like to think so. I hope mm -hmm. so. You yeah. Know? But, yeah, don't say absolutely no one else because then yeah. there's another episode we're going to do season season seven. Odo right. was wrong or Odo yeah. lied or Odo yeah, – yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's just – And I, I want to say that actually uh, – uh, just to contradict even myself, when I say that I feel like this episode would have happened in season two or three, I do think that in part it would make sense in season two or three. But actually the finale of him saying it that way actually makes sense as a later season episode. We've had him be this perfect constable for five seasons. His reputation is kind of rock solid. And it actually he makes is. more sense in the middle mm -hmm. of the current storyline, Odo being a solid, you know, his people have rejected him, yada, yada, where his, his identity is really being challenged. And like, this is like beyond being a changeling. If, I mean, he can handle being a solid, we've seen him being a solid for several episodes, but if he lost his reputation, Ooh, man, Odo would it's, really lose something there. Well, it's almost like, like I said earlier, you know, Odo was almost given this otherworldly status. Mm -hmm. And then we see him lose that because, you know, like, when he becomes, goes from changeling to solid. And now to see him, in a sense, brought even lower by saying he's just like any other man, he's any other fallible person. They really made sure to continue to knock him down to this mm -hmm. uh, very, uh, I want you know, human 
relatable <laughs> level. He makes mistakes. You know that right. I feel like that was the that is the full fall for Odo. When we yes. first see him and first encounter this truly alien creature, he is not like anybody unless he chooses to be. To suddenly right. watch his evolution of a character arc to have him now he is he is a solid. He is a humanoid. He you know he he bleeds, you know, so forth and so on. And now right. he's lost that also that title that he maintained there of this servant, the true servant of justice. He's infallible, he's impeccable, he's all this, and now even that is gone. It truly right. does make him one of us. Yes. So I don't know if that was necessarily their their point here, what they were trying to do, but it really nails home the fact that Odo has completely changed. He is no longer this thing. He is fully, firmly this. And um, I I really do I really do like that for the overall yeah. character development. Um, yeah. Well, I as I said when we first started, and I maybe didn't say it this way, but this is what I meant to say at the release gray characters people in gray situations there's no black and white there i mean let's think about odo he's trying to offer justice in the middle of the cardassian occupation maybe in order to offer justice to other people like he didn't really know all the details surrounding this one event so okay you know i'll let these three people die but that allows me to like you know serve justice elsewhere but that's why it's so poignant when he is arguing with thrax again the He's arguing basically with himself. It turns out Thrax is actually his conscience. He's arguing with his, himself about what should be done about keeping the three of them safe because they are now embodying the three guilty men. Um, and again, in a Cardassian society, you have to prove your innocence. You don't go to a, a you know to a court to to have a trial. You go to court to find out what the why the sentence you've already been given was given. Um, yeah, the says, Cardassian way of justice is. Terrifying. Exactly backwards from our <laughs> yeah. own. I mean, literally, if you reverse every single aspect of it. But what he says to Thrax is, "You're supposed to search for the truth. If you actually cared about the truth, then you would you would keep working. You would question the the, the officers who gave false statements. You would question why are the is the evidence contradictory. If you don't, then you don't care." And you know, Thrax says. All I, I have enough circumstantial evidence to say that you're guilty, and that's all I care about. Yeah, he, yeah he's like, the burden of proof is on you. It's not on exactly. me. Whereas yeah. in our justice system, the burden of proof is on is on the, the state. Yeah, the yes. state must prove. Yeah, so. and it's, it's, a, it's, it's just great, because I love characters when they're, when they're... I love characters when they're having to confront their darkest self. And I, yeah. so I like an episode like this, because Odo is having to confront that darker aspect of his past. Um, not because he personally did something wrong in the sense of like he actively did something. He was passive. And how often is it that we don't necessarily do something wrong, but that we passively don't you, do we, we allow for something to... We allow for the wrong thing to be done. We don't yeah. actively do something wrong, but we allow right. for the wrong thing to be done. That That's very exactly. true. People, how many times you know, do you just... Yeah, you say, not my problem, or... You know, you you can see a way that you could fix it, but in your opinion, it will require you to give too much of yourself. It may right. take too much work, too much effort, and it's just easier to do right. the opposite or to do nothing. Right. You right. know, so um, yeah. Again, this episode gives you a, a lot here to think about. You right. know, especially you know the way that, like we were saying, you know, the way that Odo 
pursues and presents justice, you know. And in this situation, as we were just saying here in our in our chat on our um on our show tonight, you know, the way that Odo kind of distributes justice, it's his own version of justice, but you know, it's one of those things that would have definitely required more scrutiny. And it's another thing that we see as the way it differs under Cardassian control versus the Federation's control. We mm-hmm. see Odo many times doing investigations and how he's with the Federation, he is very free to kind of pursue things at his own pace and his own time and gather mm-hmm. up all the evidence and do what he's got to do. But now we are getting to see him more and more, and this is, this is twice now, under the Cardassian occupation of they don't care about your investigation they want the results and if the results are already laid out yeah and if the results are already laid out right in front of them it almost is annoying to them that you're still doing extra work it's like you've got three people who were covered in the substance who were there at the time of the bombing and were fingered by the uh the guards who said that they were there and whatever else that's more than enough why are you still looking you want me to do a bomb analysis why i don't need to do a bomb analysis i got witnesses they've got the chemicals on their hands why would i do a bomb analysis why do you want me to go and look at some other records from off planet from something that happened through i don't need to i've got everything i need right here and it's annoying to me that you keep suggesting this over and over again and yeah anyone who remembers that episode i think it's the end of season one right where o'brien is uh where o'brien is on cardassia yes see that yeah the whole the whole trial is the whole thing is presented to O'Brien as like, just accept your fate, man. Like, yeah, just accept it. Like we've got everything that we, yeah, we've got everything that we need. And then they try to spin it. His defense attorney is actually just in on the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Cardassian justice is terrifying. I mean, love your architecture, but your justice system is horrible. (laughs) I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live there at all. Cause man, it just sounds like, yeah, you, you don't even necessarily have to do anything wrong, but if enough people believe that you've done something wrong and they say it enough times, then that is it, you know? Right. And yes, uh, the episode was called The uh, the Tribunal. That was the one where uh, Odo, not Odo, I'm sorry, O'Brien, O'Brien. was on trial. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, a lot of great points here in this episode. So um, how would you rate this episode? Um, this does seem to me uh, be a bit of a bottle episode. It doesn't really uh, depend on anything that came before it or what comes next in the in the sure. viewer the viewing of Deep Space Nine. So mm-hmm. as uh, as that bottle episode, what do you think of this one? First time viewing. Um, I will say I feel like it does take a little bit of time to get to the point that Odo is the one who is the one that's experiencing this. That everything is happening because he's there i mean i i, I want to mention there's actually a great moment where uh they're in the jail cell and cisco says odo like he turns to odo and he's like um do you know anything about this and odo acts super defensive by this point we as the audience are catching on it's something to do with odo um yeah. but like cisco turns to him and he's also and odo acts defensively and it it, it just kind of nails home that yeah odo's feeling guilty about something but Cisco yeah. isn't trying to make him feel guilty. He's like, no, you're your solution. If we can figure out what's going on, if you can figure out what's going on, then we can get out of the situation. And I really like that moment because um, when you're guilty, you start acting guilty. Um, when you when you have your conscience bothering you, you start acting like it. And so Cisco, he's not trying to accuse yep. Odo of anything, but he gets defensive, so it's a great little moment. He's he's very observant of Odo, because if you if you 
take in everything that Cisco says throughout the episode, it makes you realize that, I mean, obviously he's participating in everything that's going on, but it also makes you realize he's been watching Odo the whole time. Like, right. think about everything that he says when he's when they're starting to piece together what's going on. He's talking about how, you know, like, you, you seem uncomfortable, you have been acting strange since we first showed up here, which, mm-hmm. if, you, if you go back and watch when they first showed up, when they were getting, you know, woken up and everything like that, you know, Odo looks around and almost seems to instantly recognize where they are and what's going on. And he seems almost incapacitated to the point where Garrick and Cisco are assisting him to walk, you know? Um, And so, yeah, he's just like, you've been basically saying, yeah, you've been weird this whole time. And anytime anybody asks you anything, you become very defensive. And and that's what he, and that's what he says. I, I think you know more than you think you do, which right. is a very that's nice way of saying, yes, yes, we know that you know, we're aware <laughs> you're, you've done right. enough. And, right. you know, and the foreshadowing that we see throughout the episode that kind of clues us into that too, you know, uh, yeah. Odo runs into the dead man. Again, the guy who's all yes. got and got the big phaser burning in his chest. Mm-hmm. And then later on when they're uh, cleaning and the three guys walk by on the promenade and then right. uh, he's got the, the blood on his hands and he freaks out, yes. you know. Oh, that was a um, great moment in terms of acting. Um, yeah. Renee Aubergine did a great job at that moment. Yeah. Oh, I just dropped the spoon. Um, I thought they were all being like the ghosts of the people that were dead. When we saw the ghosts of them, I thought they were causing it to happen. So I guess that brings it up for me. I feel like this episode had some red herrings before the revelation of what was actually going on. Like the ghosts mm-hmm. and then also um, Cisco reveals that he knows a secret way to contact the resistance. He, they walk over to this this thing on a on a table, the statue, and flip it over. yeah. And and Garrick is all like, "That's the that's how complex the signal that's is." That's it, really. right? Oh, um, gee, the yes. marvelous underground is doing such a great job. He's so yeah. condescending. That's a he jerk. really is. Yeah. So my only complaint really is that those feel like red herrings in preparation for what the actual revelation is. And I wish more that we had we had focused more on like the whole Odo of it all. Like, I feel like because that revelation of his, of his character, um, it, it'd be nice to kind of sit with that for a little bit, but I don't know how well we, well we could have sat with it without just, I mean, the revelation that he was yep. involved in a, basically a murder of, of some innocent people, um, is, is an important revelation. I don't know how well we could have saw with it. Otherwise, I don't know how you could have taken out those scenes and put something else in, but part of me felt like that, that's my complaint. I feel like we had other things I, happen that don't really matter to the overall episode. Right. Yeah. Well, because I believe that what you're what you're talking about is it's because we have uh, two stories here, and it's hard to recognize that that's what we're dealing with is two stories. You have your obviously your main point about this being something about Odo and the development of Odo's character here, and dealing with how he is ultimately guilty of of sentencing these three people to die but then the other story that is overlaid on this and is a problem is the time travel aspect of it which they keep sort of kind of referring to why is thrax here that that was nine years ago this is seven years ago that should be you this that you know but it's also the time travel aspect of how this could potentially influence what they're what may happen for them in the future which is never really um addressed 
and mm-hmm. and solved, but it doesn't need to be because it actually turns out to be a dreamscape. So right. their problem is they were trying to present this story without leaning too hard into those two tropes, the dreamscape right. or the time travel thing, because that's something that Star Trek does a, a lot of, the especially the time travel aspect. So they were trying to move away from that, but it's hard to do this kind of story and talk about the 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 historical aspect of it without one of those two things. And um, I really think that they would have, they would have done themselves a better service if they had made this kind of a, a tribunal of sorts episode Yeah, in which Odo was on trial where they went to the conference and we would have gotten to see them at the conference. And here's Odo being, you know, like they were talking about how he was up on a pedestal and everybody's just in awe of him or whatever. But if someone had then stepped forward and been like, Oh no, he did this and was accusing him. And now we had to watch Odo stand trial for these murders. And then for it ultimately come out that he wasn't, technically responsible he didn't actually kill them but the investigation kind of led this because that would be how we would get him off in the end but i would have loved to see that because star trek does tribunal episodes very well and deep space nine has done a couple and they've all been pretty great episodes except for that dax one we're not gonna talk about that oh yeah yeah Yeah, the dax one was definitely yeah interesting um i will if i were to like edit the episode and keep it just closer to what's going on Maybe what I would have done is emphasize Thrax more. By the way, the actor who plays Thrax is um, uh, Kurtwood Smith, Smith, who, who has is, a nice famed Star Trek uh, background. He's played he? yes, he has played the president of the United Federation of Planets. He played okay. the president, as a matter of fact, in the sixth and final movie starring the original series cast, which is called The Undiscovered Country. Uh, okay. He does a great job as the president there. He's got a um, he's white haired. He's got this full on white full Fu Manchu thing going. He's a great looking alien. Um, okay. he also plays Anorax in a uh, Star Trek Voyager episode called uh, Year of Hell, and it's a great two parter episode. And um, if you haven't seen that, go watch it. It also deals with time travel. So David, right up your alley if you wanted to go uh, uh, just just to see a just to see how time travel is done on Voyager. So go okay. watch that. So gotcha. yeah, he he has been in Star Trek a bit uh and uh it's fun to watch. Yeah, the, the what I recognize him from of course the most is the, that 70s show. I wasn't a huge fan of that 70s show and like, I watched it regularly, but I feel like it was a pretty iconic show for when it was coming out and his He's the dad of uh, whatever the main character is. I can't remember at the moment. Eric Foreman, um, but you're right. But also, it. as we, I've just yeah. been reminded by uh, a guest in our chat here, um, he was also the bad guy in the RoboCop movies all the way back. Yes, and yes. I forgot, yeah. all, I forgot all about those. But yes, he was yeah. the bad guy in that movie as That's well. Right. So. Yeah. The, um, his face was so clear like even through all the Kardashian makeup i could make him out but his voice is really what the voice he has a very the voice is very distinctive yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it in fact, i guess i would say it's very like it's, it's menacingly just, it, even <laughs> yeah that's exactly right menacingly even even i like the word even in particular menacingly even that's a great yes man fantastic you you read my you, mind you can have it you can have that there, there you go um, but yeah, he was great. So if I were going back to what I was saying, if I were to edit this episode, what I maybe wish would have happened is that Thrax 
was acting more suspiciously as um, what Odo should have done. He was he, like he turns into the ally of these three men. He's supposed to be the one who accuses them and sends them on their way because, again, in Cardassian uh, uh, society, just. they just accuse you and you're guilty and then you hear your sentence and then that's it. But what if this Thrax character was suddenly acting out of character? He wasn't acting like a Cardassian. He was acting more like Odo should have acted instead of Odo being – like. The way I'm describing this, Odo wouldn't have had that guilty scene, that moment where he feels guilty and he's mm -hmm. yelling at Thrax about what you should be doing. Um, as much as like Thrax would have been acting more just suspiciously, and so maybe my version of the story wouldn't be much better. But I'm just thinking about like how would I maybe have done it. Um, but I guess what I'm also getting at is that the, as I've experienced many times as we've talked the episode is more enjoyable because we're talking about it and like working through it. Whereas just a casual viewing, like this was a fine episode. Yeah. You know, Garrick is being racist and Cisco is doing this and Dax is beating up gold Ducat, but really kind of nailing down some of Odo's um, character complexities yeah. is, is actually a lot of fun to talk about. So this episode is growing on me a bit more as we talk about it, even though I would say it's kind of, as you mentioned, you know, it's just kind of an episode. You don't have to watch it in terms of the overall story, no. um, but it does reveal a lot about Odo, and that's actually enjoyable. Again, I like I like stories where gray aspects of characters are revealed. So, and this episode does also contain a little bit of an Easter egg as well, which I was debating whether or not to tell you um, because it also kind of spoils some things. So. Spoiler slash Easter egg? Should okay. I? Should I? Shouldn't I? I don't know. Um, I mean, you tell me if you want me to be coming fresh every time. You know. You yeah. Tell me. Okay. You know what? Not gonna. I'm gonna save it when okay. when the thing happens. I'll remember, and then we'll go back and have this conversation. So uh, yeah, uh, we. I'll save that one. I'll save that. Okay. One. But Very it's a nice good. one. Um, but yeah. I, I think it's a I think this is a great episode. It's one of those that I do remember watching the first time and I don't think I really understood it. And then as I got older and have watched the show a few times, you know, it made more sense. And it does enhance my love of the character of Oda because he he is this, you know, this outsider. And then to watch him become such a relatable, such a personable character that uh, is, is struggling just like the rest of us are. And he's got this very important job that he is really, you know, trying to work his way through. Um, again, it just makes him uh, uh, very relatable. And uh, I really enjoy when Star Trek takes the time to do that. It's something that I feel like is missing in some of the newer shows because there's always such a rush, which again, I'm going to blame on the fact that now all the seasons are like 10 episode seasons. There's just not time and some characters who could really do with more time to develop and be mm -hmm. seen kind of in the background of other people's stories and like that. Um, right. It's, it's just missing now. Right. So, um, and when they, when they thrust a character front and center, they really have to give it everything because there's a good possibility that the chance to come back to that character may not be for three or four seasons because yeah. they are only 10 episodes that season. So, right. um, 
that really sucks. But yeah, I just I think that's where Star Trek really excels is when they give us these very personal stories that are on this kind of sci-fi landscape. And that's why I enjoy just sci-fi in general so much. Right. And so many shows have really, you know, taken that and run with it. You know, Ronald Moore was a writer, director, and developer on Star Trek. He wrote this story um, as well. And then we see that carried forward on shows like Battlestar Galactica, The Expanse. Um, uh, just you name any sci-fi show that's come out probably within the last 25 to 30 years, really, and you will see elements of this because um, they've all been influenced by it. So it's just like, I, I really like that, um, um, that they that they can do that. And it is sad that we don't really see that anymore in, in Trek. It's weird that other shows have taken that from Trek and they all do it. And Star Trek, who kind of pioneered it, it's like, nah, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. And um, yeah, it is weird that we don't really do uh, that. They don't do bottle episodes anymore. And it is to me, it's funny that we used to complain about bottle episodes, and now it's the main complaint in the new shows. Oh well, I feel like we didn't get to know that character before they got their own promotion or their own ship or they died or whatever. And it's like, uh, that would have happened in a bottle episode, you dink. <laughs> but you you complain now they don't do them anymore. Yeah. And uh, so. you might remember Perry, because I mean, again, it was when we first started. But one of the things I said is I actually want character. I want episodes to focus on characters because I yeah. do feel they're so important. And uh, yeah, again, my only, I guess, again, just kind of sounding out maybe what I would do differently. I, I, I kind of wish that maybe we could have sat more with this Odo, who is Odo, more as opposed to just it being revealed and then the episode just having to kind of end with Kira. You know, is, questioning him, maybe sit with it for a bit more. Um, is this but, yet another? No, would next you, episode, we'll do that. Sorry, was this yet another one of those that you feel is an episode that where we say this could have been a two-parter? Because we've we've done that before, broken down some episodes and realized they probably could have done with a bit more time to tell their tale. I wouldn't say this is a two-parter in the sense of like literally part one, part two, but um, I would certainly want to. I I want to see follow up to this idea that Odo. Um, Maybe he has to go back through some old cases and like really try and work okay. out some of the details. Really, like him and Kira have to, you know, examine his history a little bit. I'd be okay, okay. with that, but a full-on two-parter, I do not think is necessary. No. All right. Okay. Well, we will be getting more of Odo and Kira and the rest of them as the uh, episodes progress. Um, next week's episode is the Ascent. Uh, that one will be featuring um, Odo and Quark. We got to see a little bit of Quark tonight. We'll get to see a lot more of him uh, next week. Uh, so look forward to that. Again, it will be another bottle episode. It's not an episode that has to do with the overarching plot of Deep Space Nine, but it's still um, this one was, I would say is an entertaining one to right. say the least. Um, but before we go, I do want to uh, let people know that, uh, as I said last week, the SAG After Strike is over, so a lot of shows are going back into production. Um, there has been the announcement that the final season of Discovery will be out in April of 2024, so if you've been paying attention and waiting for that, uh, there you go. You can catch some early um, uh, previews and promos online already. There's an extended cut from one of the episodes as well, which you can watch, and um, um, yeah, go ahead and, and check all that stuff out. Strange New Worlds, I think they officially started production on the next season uh, this week. Um 
Prodigy has officially moved to Netflix, and the new season for that show is also to be dropping in April, but it'll be exclusive to Netflix. You'll be able to find it anywhere else. I don't know why they're doing that. I mean, all the other Trek is on Paramount. Why they won't put this one on there as well, don't don't know. Um, but yeah, also, since we are getting close to the holidays, uh, if you are interested at all, uh, the site Star Trek uh, Spirits, where I had ordered some Canar uh, and some Romulan Ale and also from, they are currently running a special. It's called the Armada Special, where you can get one of the wines or what spirits, basically, that they make for um, for for one of the founding members of the Federation. You can get Andorian Ale, uh, the Federation Wine, and a couple of them in this package package deal. If you're nice. interested in that, and then like a um, taster, like a no, they're full-on bottles of each one, oh. but you can order it, and they have the special going on right now so that if you order it now, your package should come to you before Christmas or, depending on when you order it, before the new year. So that's kind of their big push. Get it before Christmas, get it before the new year, that kind of thing. Um, gotcha. Also, if you're interested in just kind of, you know, trekifying any kind of glass or um, whatever you drink out of, they are, they are also selling um, rounded... United Federation of Planets uh, medallions that have adhesive on them so you can fix them to any glass. So, you know, like I've got my curved glass here, just as a quick example. I don't have one, but I'm going to get one. And so it's, it's metal and it will curve and fit pretty much to any glass. They've got wow. it on their site right now that shows you how you can affix it to any glass. So nice. uh, go and take a look at that. I think they're running at like 15 bucks. They did have a lot of them in stock, but I imagine though because it is metal, I imagine those are going to go pretty uh, quickly. So go check that out. Again, the name of that site is StarTrekWines.com. All of these things can be found in their accessories and collectibles section. No, we are not in any way paid or endorsed by them. I just find their site really, really cool. And I like the wine stuff that they've got on there. And I've tried a couple. Again, I've had the Romulan Ale. I've had the Canar. I'm going to get Blood Wine next. Um, I'm just letting you know that the stuff is there. And if you're interested, now is the time to get it because they do have these sales going on for the holiday. So if you want it for yourself, if you have a Star Trek friend who really likes Trek and you think that would be a cool gift for them, Go ahead and get those things, all right? So uh, go go take a look. But in the meantime, guys, you can find us and follow us anywhere you happen to uh, do your podcast or listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. And, of course, check us out on YouTube. You can find our YouTube channel by searching our name, The Fire Caves, and uh, watch us. Let us know what you think. But until next week, guys, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.